Hey everybody, it's Jacob. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of Panther Paris. Uh, this was initially recorded as part of the February 7th, 2024 episode of the show. Uh, it was part of TJ's thought-provoking questions segment, uh, but we as a group decided to split it off into its own episode. Uh, this is our kind of in-depth discussion about the 2018 Team Canada World Juniors case now that we have more detail about it. Uh, so with that in mind, we're just going to get into it. If uh, if you don't want to listen to the subject matter referenced uh, in this little bonus episode, feel free to skip it. Uh, otherwise, here is uh, that segment. Thanks for listening. Uh, either of you have a thought-provoking question? Yes. Have we talked? I have about... never provoked a single thought in my life. Have we talked about <laughs> the uh, five players who turned themselves in? On on uh, so that 5th. was the thought provoking question that I had thought of. Uh, it was surrounding that, and the thought provoking question itself. Uh, I need to pull a tweet up real quick. So, just to give some background information, we're talking about five players that were on the World Junior Canada team in 2018. They won the gold medal uh, at the Hockey Canada Gala. All the players were present, and then they went to a bar. This was all in London, and at the bar, um, trigger warning, by the way, for anybody that might be, you know, set off yeah. by mentions of any kind of sexual violence and and, and stuff like that. Uh, so one of the players met a woman, and they went back to the hotel, and acts were had consensually, and then apparently allegedly, he reached let's out. just use allegedly. Yeah, all of this is alleged, and uh, after that. He reached out to it's nice four to of have his a teammates, lawyer on staff. and then some acts took place, and they were not as consensual, allegedly. And alleged, right, right. And um, I'm trying to not be graphic here for the sake of audience comfort. So, Jake, go ahead. Now that I gave that background, so the five players uh, who have surrendered to the London, Ontario police are Michael McLeod. Uh, Alex Formanton, Carter Hart, Dylan Dubé, Dylan, Dylan Dubé, and, and Cal Foot, and Cal Foot. The tweet that I'm referring to, and the thought-provoking question that I have, is: The Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils, and Calgary Flames have been informed that they will receive cap relief for the players on leave charged in the 2018 World Junior Criminal Proceedings. Do you agree with that move by the NHL or not? This is one of the thought-provoking questions I wanted to get to, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, me, personally, I have no issue with this from the NHL point of view because essentially they are on the reserve list. They can't, they're not going to play. And this honestly takes the pressure off of the teams because it's not like any of these teams signed or drafted these players knowing these allegations were hanging over their head. This yeah. was something that happened in 2018 and came to life in what, late 2022? So it's not it like... summer of 22. Okay, maybe it was summer of 22. But either way, uh, you know, no one knew what had happened or anything. No, no one knew anything until well after these players were drafted and most of them were in the NHL. And even then, their identity wasn't known until... As early as this year, another thought-provoking question that we'll get into is 
apparent there's allegations or at least rumors that Philly knew that Carter Hart was involved in this investigation and tried to trade him prior to this coming out to try and extract value out of him. We can talk about that in a second. But either way, the NHL is a cap league where it is, you know, you can't just cut a player and gain cap relief back. You know, the NFL, if a player gets in trouble, you can cut him and you get most of his salary back. Uh, the N- M- MLB, it just doesn't matter because the cap is its just a luxury tax. You could cu- get rid of a player and that money it just doesn't matter anymore. The NHL doesn't have that. So you are putting these teams in a situation where it's like they either have to cut ties and eat cap hit or they can put them on the reserve list. And, you know, it's kind of not fair to the teams to have the cap hit on and be limited when they didn't know about these allegations or these alleged actions when they drafted them. So I think because it hadn't happened yet, even. Yeah, well, some no, no. The the players were drafted before this happens. No, most players, all of them. Yeah, no draft eligible players were involved in this. At the they were they had all been drafted. Okay, so even then they would been drafted before it happened, but didn't even come out until they'd signed contracts. Some of them second contracts. So you just. I don't think this is a bad thing for the NHL to say, all right, you're getting cap relief. Like that way there is no pressure to, you know, bring them back. Cause it's like, Hey, if I'm paying Carter Hart X million dollars, I should just use him until he's proven guilty. Like, it's like, all right, you're on the reserve list. We got your cap space back. You don't exist until this is all done. Yeah. I don't think the NHL did anything wrong here. I, I, I also don't think that they really did anything wrong. It, it it annoys me, and Alex, you will be able to sympathize with this a thousand percent, that a lot of like armchair lawyers or maybe even worse, like people who aren't even thinking of the legal ramifications are like giving strong opinions about like why, you know, teams should have been more proactive here without considering the fact that like any of the agents of these players, if they perceived a uh, like a perceived hit to their players' market value, like for example, if Carter Hart didn't play any games this year, and he has reason to believe himself, which might be wrong, that he's innocent, which he might not be, you know, he would have tremendous value to his next contract loss because he's in a contract year. If the Flyers said we have reason to believe that you did something horrible, so we're not going to let you play. Like, there's a real risk that that results in litigation against the Flyers. And this is the same for anybody that's a journalist that has heard around the grapevine, like, hey, Michael McLeod was the guy that did this, that, or the other thing. The second that a journalist puts that out there, the agent for that player, the the agency that they're employed by, and maybe even the PA, I don't know how if that's how it would work, is probably at their throats. And they've got a lawsuit coming at them. This is serious stuff. There's millions of dollars on the line. People are being very cautious for very good reason here. Now that there's actual charges that are on the table and we have actual names, the teams were pretty quick to tell the players like, Hey, you got to go deal with this. And I have full confidence that none of these players will be back in the league this year. And none of the players will be back in the league until this case is settled. 
And the only way that I can really see them coming back into league ever is if they're found innocent, which I can't really give a comment on whether or not I think that's realistic. I, the case is going to have to play no, out. Should I, you? Yeah. I don't know. It may. I like, I have my own opinion on whether or not, you know, I, let's just say I believe the victim. That's my opinion on this. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be found guilty. I don't know. I'm just saying I believe the victim. I'm not so, going. Oh, sorry. I kind of have a follow up thought provoking question related to this that may impact my feelings on my answer to this to the original question that I asked. Is there cap relief when a player enters the player assistance program? Let's find out. Let's see what Kuznetsov's cap hit is right now. I feel like the answer to that is no. Well, in-season cap relief is is a lot less significant than out-of-season cap relief because there's not really free agents to sign. And whenever you're talking about trades, That's not there's really always my point. ways, That's there's not always really ways to point. maneuver in-season cap space. So that's not, like, that's not my point. I understand. So. Yeah, I understand. But <laughs> my know, point it, is like, that it would be insane for a team to get cap relief because their players are caught up in a legal dispute, a serious criminal charge, but no cap relief for a player who needs mental health support. Um. Yeah, I, I'm really torn about this. On one hand, it is true. All five of these players were drafted prior to World Juniors in 2018. So they were they were part of these organizations. I mean, I guess except Alex Formanton, who was not a part of the organization for which he is currently yeah. affiliated. Wonder uh, why. at time of draft. Yeah. So that's that's the weird thing though. Like clearly, even even without all the information, there was a threshold for how good of a player you could be. Yeah, I mean, Formanton was probably a better player than Cal Foot. Um, I mean, I get, yeah, I guess there is also something to be said for like the timing of a contract. Like Formanton like, was a free agent when all this came out, and at that point, no one wanted to touch him. But hmm. if 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 Alex Formanton had been as good as say Carter Hart. Would he still as and been a free agent in 2022 when all this came out? Would he have gotten an NHL deal? That's a really interesting question. Um, like, my the thinking answer to that is, is always that, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're, like, if you're I, good, I honestly you can't disagree. I, I generally lean in the direction that most NHL teams are some degree of morally bankrupt. There are some exceptions to that. I think the Kraken have done a great job of putting not that forward. Uh, biasedly, I want to say that the Panthers have kind of done a pretty good job of that as well. Um, shout out to any team that has used pride tape this season. Uh, David, I think he's done it. I think yeah. He did too. McDavid did. Uh, so I, I think there is, there is a threshold here for how good a player will be and how much the teams are willing to overlook. So I'm I'm really torn about whether or not the teams should get cap relief. And I know I asked this question, so me having a non-answer is probably super unsatisfying. Um, I have the answer. 
to what? According to Cap Friendly, you do not get cap relief if a player goes into the Okay, that's general. insane to me. And I know, like, yeah, these are two totally different situations, but if this is something that will allow for cap relief, then the PAP should too. Yeah. And that I is think that's the hill right that conclusion. I will die on as of this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Considering I, LTIR I, I, yeah. exists and you can get cap it for free with LTIR yeah. and how much that's already been abused, yeah, I don't see why player assistant program doesn't also qualify. Yeah, I am not I going to use that. that. I'm not going to use that in my thought process about how I feel about the Flyers, Devils, and Flames getting cap relief for the World Juniors case because uh, I don't think it's a totally fair comparison. I will use it to say that I think the player assistance program should allow cap relief, uh, but I'm not going to use it to inform my answer here. Um, like I, I do have some patience for the teams because this hadn't happened yet when all these players were drafted, and I don't think any of them, say for Formanton, have signed a contract since it all came out. I think that the Devils players did. I don't know about Carter Hart. Formanton definitely didn't. And well, he are, did, are just are not forgetting? in the NHL. Correct. Who who's the other Dubé? I think he had already signed a contract before this came out. So I think I think but all of these players, their contract expires at the end of this season, which I I don't think is an accident. Now, I think it might be easy to say that because none of them were extended beyond this season before this came out. McLeod um, McLeod did sign a one year deal in summer of twenty three. Yeah, but like we honestly have no idea what knowledge the teams had or didn't have about right. what player other than we know because it was it was completely open information, public information, that there were a number of players on this world junior team that all of them were a member of that were accused of this. We didn't know the exact number because there was a number I floated believe it out was that is eight. Yeah. The original and number. it's it's and unclear five have been if charged. It's unclear if all eight were on the world junior team because I read somewhere that the other three might have been players that played in the Canadian junior leagues that were not on the world junior team. Yeah. I look, that's something I read. It could yeah, be I don't, completely I don't made up. But um, it didn't seem made up at the time. Um I yeah, I, I'm willing to give the teams some degree of benefit of the doubt and yeah. some degree of of ignorance about the situation when all because again like the names were not public record until like last week and also there really wasn't much conjecture like some things go around the nhl like we know about them if the devils and michael mcleod had a conversation last summer in which the devils were like hey we know this is out there we know you were on that team did you have anything to do with it and mcleod said no and the Devils were like, "Cool, here's a million. Here's a million four for the season. Like, what else are they supposed to do? Yeah. And I if mean, it comes out eventually that like Tom Fitzgerald knew that Michael McLeod was a part of this and signed him anyway, then Tom Fitzgerald should never work in the NHL again. Mister Fitzgerald, I am a monster. Please give me a contract. Right. <laughs> it seems um, unlikely that it happened. Right. Probably." <laughs> Unless he thinks Michael McLeod is above that talent threshold that allows him to feign ignorance and sign the guy anyway. So, like, at this moment in time, 
I think it's fair to give the teams cap relief while the case is ongoing. If it ever comes out that any of these GMs knew and signed the players anyway, then none of them should ever work in the NHL again. That's kind of where I think I stand after talking my thoughts out live on the podcast. This is kind of like a popular sentiment. So, you know, I'm not necessarily going out on a limb by saying this, but the number one thing that I want the league to investigate at the moment is whether or not Calgary knew that Dubé, Dylan Dubé was was on the precipice of receiving charges when they announced that he was taking a leave for mental health reasons, because they did not have to say that it was mental health reasons. Yeah, that was my next thought provoking question. And it's going, I'm going to make a couple of things on that. Mm -hmm. One, if Calgary had an idea he was associated and let him do that, shame on them. Dylan Dubé. Craig Conroy should never work in the NHL again. Uh, Organizational failure, though. I I think everybody's got to kind of For letting him say, well, here's why I'll give, I'll get to it in a second. Not why I'm going to say shame on you, but not that. Dylan Dubé, you already knew why you were taking a leave of absence. Shame on you. Uh, You are a problem. Regardless of what you're accused of, you are a problem. I mean, like, the reason, like, sexual uh, abuse victims, like, they don't automatically get believed is because there have been high-profile false accusations like Duke Lacrosse. Like, and I'm not trying to say that this is any way situation. I'm just saying, I'm using in general, like, when you take something sacrosanct, and we like you can't be boy who cried wolf here, and mental health is kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, it took until twenty twenty three for mental health to be something that people respected, and for you to say, "Oh, I'm going to use mental health as like my shield to block me from any any questions regarding my sexual assault accusation," shame on you. I know the perfect uh, one. Uh, when Me Too came out and Kevin Spacey got Me Too'd and he came out and was like, well, you know, I'm actually I've been a homosexual for, for all yeah. my life. And and that's how I'm choosing. And that's why all of this happened. Like, shame on you. Guess what? You still committed a crime against Anthony Rapp. Like, <laughs> right. But it's like very sh- possible to be both. But <laughs> like to, to use the like the thing of the day to protect you from something terrible you allegedly did. You're a problem. You are a problem. And that's what Dylan Dubé did here. And here is why I'm going to give Calgary a pass, even if they did know that he was full of shit. Like, shame on you. However, in 2024, if someone says, I have a mental health issue, and you don't immediately support them, you're the asshole. It doesn't matter if you know they're full of shit. If you don't support them, you're the asshole. So Calgary was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. It's sort of like how in the legal system, like we can, we can say that we know these players are full of shit. Like I said, I believe the victim, but that doesn't mean if I'm on the jury, I'm just kicking up my legs and I'm saying to these players, you can say whatever testimony you want. You can present whatever evidence you want. I don't care. You're guilty. Like, no, I wouldn't do that. That doesn't mean that I don't believe the victim. You know, these these things have to play out in a certain way. But at the same time, we've talked about like mental health, sexual assault. They're very similar in that there's a real stigma 
And, you know, people are very brave anytime they admit to, you know, having either been a victim of sexual assault or have, are struggling from a mental health issue. You know, I, I think there's a greater stigma against sexual assault victims, to be completely honest, but they're both similar in that, you know, it, it can be difficult to speak up about the struggle that you're experiencing. And for that reason, I, I, I agree. I, I don't remember exactly the point I was trying to make. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. But yeah, like, you know, whatever I was saying about, I agree with Alex, basically. The only, I, I think one of the only arguments you could make for did the teams do anything wrong? Um, in, in order, in order to make the teams out to have done something wrong, rather you're essentially saying that every player from the 2018 team from the 2018 team, Canada world juniors team should be barred from the NHL until all this is resolved, or at least until the charges are made, which is ridiculous, right? Be well, then you have a lawsuit on your hands. Easy. Yes. Because imagine Jonah Gadjevich can't play in the NHL this season. His NHL employment at the moment that the Panthers signed him, or let's say like five minutes before they signed him, was pretty insecure. Yeah, He didn't have a contract. He didn't know if he was going to play in the NHL. Playing in the NHL versus playing in any other hockey league in the world, with the slight exception of Russia for a few very famous Russian hockey players, is such a massive difference in fi finances. Yeah. And I mean, we're not talking about like the difference between a great quarterback and a very good quarterback. That's also a massive financial difference. But if you're making $10 million as like, I don't know, um, Blaine Gabber, that's a fantastic livelihood. Right. Meanwhile, Alex Formanton is probably making what, like $100,000 to play in Sweden? I don't even know. I'm not even going to speculate. Yeah, but I get, it's, but I absolutely get the your NHL point. minimum is seven times more. So like that's that's money that you can put into a fund to you know keep you afloat for years on end if you have any difficulties finding work after hockey. Yeah. You know maybe because you have a concussion, CTE makes it really hard for you to to focus at work or you know perform job functions that a lot of us take for granted. You know th this game comes with a lot of risks and the players understand them. Because, you know, they make enough money in just a few years to set themselves up for at least like a somewhat comfortable life afterwards. And, you know, if you're saying, hey, Jonah Gadjevich, I know that you had nothing to do with this because you're saying you had nothing to do with this. There's no evidence you had Bingo. anything to do with this. But I'm not going to let you go out onto the ice and prove that you deserve another NHL contract because hey, maybe you did do something. Right. Maybe anybody did anything. That's no way to do anything. Until the names came out, the teams could not act against their players. It's really, it's unfortunately that simple. It is. And it's not even unfortunate. That's how the system works. Yeah. Like, look, we don't, you know, we believe survivors. I understand that. I'm just talking about this from not even a lawyer perspective. But let's just say you were on that 2018 team. And yeah, something may have happened with other guys, but you're Jonah Gadjevich and it's you. 
How do you want you to be treated? Do you want to be barred from living, doing like playing a game or working or whatever because someone else on your team might have done something? No, you'd want you'd want to be treated uh, innocent until proven guilty. So, look, I get in the age of social media we are, where it's like you know you survivors and whatnot, and I'm not trying to diminish any of it, but like you can't just come after everyone with an axe and say, you can't work, you can't work, you can't work because someone says something happened. Like, do you understand how much power you give to yeah. words if you if we start doing that? I think an interesting case here is when it was initially reported that this had happened back in the summer of 22 or whatever it was. There were a lot of people, myself included, who based on the statements that the players on that 2018 team gave, I would have bet, based on the statements, that Drake Batherson was involved. Mm -hmm. Exactly. To the point where I I was surprised that he wasn't named. Me too. I owe him an apology. Yeah, we all do. Me too. And, and that was the name I was trying. Like, I looked him up and I was like, oh, he was born in America. So I guess he's, but I guess he plays for Canada. But Drake yeah. Batson is who was I was thinking so of. So was Callum Foote. So was Alex Foreman. Well, because Cal Foote is the son of an NHL player who was playing Adam for Foote. Colorado yeah. when his sons were born. Yeah. They were um, reading out the birth dates. I listened to about half of that press right. conference. So imagine if, were born in the if, Go ahead. imagine if the teams had taken action based on the court of public approval. Suddenly, Drake Batherson's out of a job because of something that he apparently didn't actually have involvement in. Yeah. So it's I know it sucks that we couldn't just find out this came out and immediately punish those responsible. But I think the reason, getting back to the point, the reason that it's fair... Oh, man, Michael McLeod's birthday was two days ago. That's rough. Uh, the reason that I think it's mm. fair to give these teams I- cap relief is they had to act business as usual until the charges were made. The only information they had up to that point was the words of their players. That's all the evidence they could work off of. And if Carter Hart said, I didn't do it, then Philly couldn't do anything about it. It's an imperfect process. I think we could all agree with that, but it's a better process than somebody on Twitter who doesn't know any of the parties involved, including the victim. They had like they don't know the victim. They haven't heard the victim's testimonies. They haven't assessed like, you know, what what the victim is really getting at. These people can't be the ones that are making decisions. Right. I'm sorry. Like you know, for for whatever shortcomings that the the you know London Police Department is going to have, and there are going to be totally legitimate um, grievances to be had about this process when it comes out, I'm sure. But the fact of the matter is that without any reason to believe otherwise, I think that they are in good faith conducting an investigation with legitimate belief that this could have occurred, and exploring every possible avenue to determine if or if it did not occur. Especially because even if you're thinking like, oh, if it did not occur, you're saying you don't believe victims. Well, you want to eliminate any of those avenues that you can. Any plausible deniability, you're not examining it because you want to believe it didn't happen. You're examining because you want to believe it did happen. 
because yeah. you want to eliminate all of that plausible deniability. That's only going to help the victim if they can do that to an end that the the victim, you know, gains more credibility and their accusation gains more credibility. And, and you know, there's just a process for a reason. Unfortunately, it kind of sucks. But look, like people are involved, so it's going to suck. That's just the way it works. Like we don't have lawmaking robots and we don't have, you know, cameras in every room in the world. And, you know, we don't have lie detectors. Like that's just not how this works, unfortunately. And if, if we're going about this all wrong and our thought processes are way off, let us know. I mean, if there's something that I'm not considering in in my thoughts about this, please let me know. Yeah, go same goes I, for me. I want to continue learning, and I don't want to upset anyone or trigger anyone or hurt anyone. If my if my logic here is totally off base, let me know as angrily as you would like. Uh, I'll, I'm going to take a slightly different at, uh, at point of view. Um, if you want to disagree with me, fine. I'm always happy to listen to people, but I'm going to say two things here. There's an old adage that's very well known in the legal community. Better a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. And I absolutely believe that. And two, everyone here has someone they work with or know, and that's in their neighborhood that you just don't like, and they don't like you. What if that person went to the police and said, Hey, this person did X to me, throw them in jail. And on that word, you got thrown in jail and everyone on Twitter and on social media said, you are an asshole. You are the worst person ever. How could you do this? And the only thing against you is this person saying it. So before we hang people, before we do that, think of those two things. We have a legal system for a reason. Innocent until proven guilty is there for a reason. Yes, do guilty people go free sometimes? Yes, cough, OJ Simpson, cough. But, you know, we cannot as a society just be so willing to string people up because someone said they did something. Look at Drake Batherson. We did I shamed my sister for drafting Drake Batherson in fantasy last year. And I and I might have peer pressured you into doing that. I don't think you did. So and I, I think my sister's response to me, by the way, was, oh, I didn't know that. I don't think I would have drafted him if I did. Well, Just on, like, I think he was involved in this. Right. And I never denied it for whatever reason. Right. Who knows? Either way, just don't be so quick to judge people. Don't so be so quick to, I don't, I'm not trying to use the word cancel. I'm just trying to use the word like, don't condemn people just because someone said something happened because it can happen to you. Just hear them out, I would say. And like, you know, also, canceling implies some like loss of credibility. Right. You know? and, I, and I'm not trying to like, oh, you know, these comedians are like, oh, I got canceled because I made this joke. Mm-hmm. I'm strictly talking about, you know, someone who is accused of doing something and before any evidence is gathered before any, just because they said it. And it's like, oh, we have to believe all people who say something happened to them. Like that person is condemned. I also want to stress in all this conversation, we're not trying to defend the five people who were charged. Absolutely. At all. That is not what this part of the conversation is about. This is about, this is about the teams not being able to take punitive action before the charges were levied. Yeah. And I mean, 
look, you, you, you kind I think that in order to just like be able to coexist with everybody in the world, you, in my personal opinion, you kind of have to hold two, which seem like contradictory views, which, you know, we've talked about all this, like, you know, we, we really don't want to send innocent people away, but we also understand that, especially when it comes to sexual assault, victims coming forward are often demonized and it, you know, it just costs nothing to sit there, listen and say, I'm sorry. And, you know, maybe the stuff that they're saying just doesn't seem plausible. And you, you, you know, part of your brain is just saying they're hysterical, they're a liar, but like not only empathy should lead you to, but also just like lots of history that shows that we've, called people that say stuff like this liars and hysterical and it turns out that they've been completely telling the truth um you know examine their claims later there's always going to be time to do that there's always going to be time to go back look at all the evidence it costs nothing to just sit there nod your head forward say i'm sorry and suspend your disbelief yeah. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you go around and you take the people that they say did the horrible things and you take them away and you shoot them in the head and they're gone forever without even getting to speak their piece. It, they seem contradictory ideas, but until somebody tells me which one of them should prevail in my brain, when I've seen so many cases where one of the pieces of logic would have probably prevented something terrible from happening, you know, I, I, I'd love to resolve it, but that's just the way it seems to be to me. Yeah. The last thing I want to add to this conversation is a reminder. And that reminder is, at least in the American judicial system, a not guilty verdict does not mean that the, per that the person accused did not do what they're accused of doing. Yes. It means that a prosecution was unable to prove to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt that that crime was committed in exactly the way that it was charged. That is why crimes have degrees to some extent. Mm -hmm. That is why prosecutions and defenses exist. Mm -hmm. It does not mean not guilty does not mean innocent. It means that the prosecution did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Is this where I go into the difference between beyond a reasonable doubt and more likely than not as an attorney? I think that's a conversation better saved for during the trial or after it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a good last word. Let's move on.